Hello and welcome back to the RevOps Show. There are a lot of other things you could be doing right now, like watching TV, playing a video game, reading a book, or even listening to a different show. But instead, you chose to listen to the RevOps Show, and we're so grateful for that. Yes, today Jess and Doug are discussing opportunity cost and how it relates to the RevOps world. You're in for a treat as there's a lot of great examples and insights that'll help you here. So with that, let's get started. Jess. Doug. I think I think this is our first show of the year. It is. Yeah. Happy it New is. Year. Happy New Year. It's been a hell of a year. It feels like December. <laughs> it, it it does. It does. I'm ready to go on uh, vacation again. There you go. But but Jess, when are you not ready to go on vacation? I mean that's that's a fair point. It's a fair that's point. Fair. I'm always that's ready fair. to go on vacation. But uh, did you get rested this weekend? Get some did. rest, relaxation. I did. Tell your regrets to stop screaming and run around the house so they could be I told them um, that doesn't mean they listen, but I did tell them. <laughs> do, do, do you have that mom um, tone that, you know, communicates the, I ain't kidding around this time and they like get oh. that? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. I have, I have a good mom voice. I mean, I figured you have one here at Imagine where we go. Oh. Right. Yeah, not to mess with you. So I figured that it would work with the work with the kids. Yeah, it's a voice and face combination situation going on. So, yeah. Well, well, Jess, I'm. I don't think we're going to run out of material to talk about here in uh, 2022, <laughs> given just what we've seen so far this year. No, we could probably have a whole year worth of podcasts off of the first two weeks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, what are we talking about today, Jess? What are we talking today- about? Today, I want to talk about one of our first principles for radical execution. Um, I want to talk about uh, consider the opportunity cost and and what that means and, and how you apply it. So, so let's that start with one? that is not our first one. Our first principle is simpler is better. Oh, well, that's number five. Okay. See, I totally confused me, Jeff. I said one of our first principles for oh gotcha execution. gotcha one of our first not the first not one of the first gotcha I'm no it's not the thing. first one of our first principles remember it's later in the day for you than it is for me it's not true okay and you're um you're gonna might be able to pull one over on you <laughs> so first let's talk about what it what does this mean like how would you how would you explain how would you define consider the opportunity cost because I, I picked this because I, I don't think this one is as commonly known as some of the other principles. You know, I, I think there are a lot of different, there are a lot of potentially different definitions. Um, there to are. Opportunity cost. I mean, at, you know, at its simplest, it's, you know, and it's funny because that's opportunity cost is number five. Make sure the juice is worth the squeeze is number six. They're very, very closely related. Yeah. Um, you know, so opportunity cost is consider what else you could do. So laying out all your options. Well, not necessarily that. Um, actually, you know what, that's an, ex- that's a perfect example of not taking into account opportunity costs. If I were to lay out all my, my examples, the amount of time that it's going to take for you to lay out all your examples, as you get to a point of diminishing returns, yep. when you get to the point where the juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? What happens is the cost of doing what is quote unquote, right lay out all of my options is 
there are other things you could do that would be worth more. Right. So like, you know, one of the, one of the battles that I take with people that have become, you know, super proponents of RevOps, you know, it, it, it's very common for people to say RevOps, you need to begin to, you know, RevOps needs to be a key discipline from the first person. Right. And, and I'm, and I've said, you know, at a, you know, when you're below a certain size, a certain scale, a certain scope, I mean, there's, I mean, there's technically RevOps things that are, that are of course always happening, but to quote unquote, pay attention to that, um, to pay attention to reducing friction before you get to a critical mass of force, the, the opportunity cost, like I, I can't say it's wrong to make sure that your database is completely clean. I can't, I can't say it's wrong to have all non-relevant data, but, but I would say, well, I mean, there, that's an example of juice for the squeeze, but also it's, if we were to do that, what else would, what, you know, if, if we were to do something else with that time, yep. what, what would that mean? Are there higher value um, um, aspects? There, there's an aspect of never make the cure more costly than the illness, never make the cure more damaging than the disease, or that's one of the battles, uh, you know, in, in health, that's one of the battles they have in cancer, right? Killing cancer is actually a relatively simple thing. The difficulty is keeping the patient alive. You, you kill the patient too. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of defeats the purpose of killing. Hey, congratulations. You don't have cancer, um, but you're now deceased. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, another element of, of opportunity cost is um, consider the opportunity value, which is, you know, to me, value is a form of cost, which is where are your highest leverage areas, which basically says, if this were working better, what else would you be able to do? If this were not a problem, right? So, so if pipeline insights were not a problem, if you had, right, what, what else would you be able to do? That gets into, you know, the, the opportunity cost of the problem. So, you I mean, you've got direct costs, you've got indirect costs there, there, we have a tendency to be obsessed about that. Um, but the highest leverage, if you're looking for, for scale and growth mm -hmm. is opportunity cost and really understanding that where's, you know, where's that leverage as a baseball coach feet where, where, you know, getting your feet and weight in the best position, that was the highest leverage activity. And so I would spend much more time on that than other technique, because when you have those right, so many other things go right. Whereas if you focus on, on more of the individual technique that is oftentimes more obvious, you, there's less leverage there. And, you know, if, if you're doing those other things, right, but your, but your foundation is not right feet weight, then you could do those other things, right. And it, and you'd still reduce your probability because so that's again, an, an example of looking at for the effort. Again, there's a lot of juice for the squeeze here, you know, for the effort, what's the, you know, what's the total outcome. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause um, when I was kind of doing a little bit of research on this and, and looking into definitions and, and, and how people, execute this and, and, and utilize this in their, in their, uh, work. They, I always heard it talked about in the negative, like you've got to consider what you lose. And what I'm hearing from you is you've got to consider both what you lose and what you gain, um, by the decision that you make. So like you talked about, um, the, the pipeline and, um, being able to have visibility to the pipeline. So I, I think that, you know, in looking at this, I think a lot of people are thinking about, okay, from an opportunity cost standpoint, when you hear costs, that's often thought about as negative. Um, you've got to think about what you're putting, like whatever decision you're making, what, what you're putting into it, what do you pick up from that? What do you gain? 
Yeah. So the way I would say it is that price is what you pay for something. Mm-hmm. Cost is its consequence. And so cost could be positive or negative. Gotcha. You, you know, early on in my career and, you know, I, I did, I made, I made management mistakes and, and part of, I mean, I repeatedly made management mistakes. I have some people who worked here who will, you know, say that I'm not emphasizing that enough. One of the challenges that I always had was, well, I could deal with this. That's costing me, you know, th- this employee is costing me whatever, or I could go win a new account that would be worth three times that. Yeah. Right. And I would always, you know, now some of that was, was my own ability to, to avoid things that I didn't want to do. But also, I mean, candidly, if I had it to do all over again, I think I would still do the same thing because, you know, I, you know, one of my favorite strategic coachisms from, from Dan Sullivan is, if you have a problem and you have the money to solve a problem, then you don't have a problem. You don't have a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, if you don't have any constraints, mm-hmm. so if you have, you know, if, if, if you have excess time, if you have excess cash, if you have excess capacity, then opportunity cost really isn't, an, isn't often a meaningful thing, right? Opportunity cost really comes in when, when you're dealing with constraints. Now, I don't know anybody that's not dealing with constraints, right? At, at, at some point, you, you've got to make a choice of this or that. And, and that's where opportunity cost comes in. Because if I do this, then I can't do that. Now, now by the way, sometimes that's time and resource related. Sometimes it's path related, right? So yeah. if, if I choose, I, I can't think of something, but you know, if, 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 I, you know, if, if I make a strategic choice, that puts me on one path, then that means I can't do the other path. Right. Right. Okay. Well, what, what, what's the opportunity cost of that? If I, and, and, and this gets into us outside of the fact that humans are, are just naturally good at finding problems and, and, and realize that we're biologically programmed to be able to do that. Um, I'm sure there was some aspect of humans at some point that were only really good at seeing what was right with, with things as opposed to what was wrong. And the difficulty is they got eaten by the woolly mammoths, right? So, so they kind of got, you know, they kind of went extinct because, you know, many, many, many years ago when we, you know, had to fight for our survival, the, there was far more reward for, for being attuned to what was wrong than there was to being attuned to what was right. Sure. Um, and, and so, A, we're always good at finding something that's wrong, but B, realizing, as we've said multi, a multitude of times um, on the show and in other places, th- there is no such thing as a right, I'm sorry, there is no such thing as the right implementation. There is no the right choice. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of wrong ones, but every choice you make with, with some very, you know, from a percentage standpoint, a small percentage of exceptions. Um, there, there's always trade-offs, right? And, and trade-offs mean there are advantages and disadvantages. And that means that when you make a choice, you're, and by the way, that's opportunity cost. When you're making a choice because you, you, want, you want these advantages and you're going to accept these disadvantages as a result, I think people forget sometimes that that means those disadvantages are going to show themselves at times. Yeah. And they're going to be, and you know what they're going to be, Jess? They're going to be dis- disadvantageous. <laughs> Right. Imagine that. That's right. funny how that happens. They're they're <laughs> going to be frustrating. They're going to be yeah. They're going to be negative. 
so, so there has, you know, we have a tendency to want to treat our symptoms and so yeah. we jump in and we go, Oh, that's not right. Let's fix that. Okay. Well, when we fix that, what, what other impact will that have? Right. Understanding that is another element of, of opportunity cost. Yeah. And it's funny. You, um, you went to one of the examples that I, that I wanted to talk about, which was cleansing a database, uh, before migrating, um, because it's, I mean, I, and it probably was the first one that popped in my mind in relation to this. Cause it's one of the things that I, I live with cause I help manage that piece for us. But, um, like it's, it's fascinating because everybody wants that. Like everybody's mindset is okay. We're going to clean the database before we migrate everything over. Like, so we're moving from Salesforce, for instance, to HubSpot. We want all the data in Salesforce clean. Cause we want to start with this perfect clean database. And then when we start talking about, okay, well, what does that actually bring you? And what does that actually do for you? Oh, and by the way, does it really make sense to try to clean it beforehand? Is that a better resource pool than doing it after we, after we migrate where we may have more resources, more context, more, um, more capability. So it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating that, that your mind went there and mine did too. Um, that was actually the first one I had written down. So um, well, I'll give you, I'll give you one before that, that you'll remember really well. Cause I used to talk about this about website, right? I used to say, yeah. and, 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 you know, website projects are notorious in, in getting stalled and taking forever Yeah, because everybody wants to get, you know, the message, like they want to get everything right, which again, there's no such thing as right. And the other thing is as we move forward, right constantly changes. And so I actually, I remember, Remember, I was at a HubSpot Grow event, one of their, um, you know, prospecting events that they did. And, and, and Mike Volpe, this back when he was still the CMO there, um, talked about, he said, you know, the interesting thing about what, or he asked the question, how many of you have, um, you know, have, have launched a new website in the last whatever period of time? How many of you hated your website the day it launched? Right? And everybody, <laughs> hate, you know, not everybody, you know, a, yeah. a large majority of people hate their website the day it launches because it it's so old and. And, and, you know, because it's taken so long and yeah. th things have changed and, and you, you know, and, and so, I mean, I used to be a big fan of saying, hey, look, let's, let's fix these elements of the website and let's not worry about the messaging right now. Let's just get, let's just get, and, you know, that was a hard thing for people to, to grasp because they're like, oh, no, 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 but, you know, I, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Right now we have a shitty structure. We have a shitty UI and, and we have shitty messaging. What I'm suggesting is we'll have a good structure or good infrastructure architecture. We'll have good UI and we'll have shitty messaging, right? Yeah. Would, where would you rather be? Now we can go six, seven, eight months with shitty all three things, or we can go two months and then work on, on an iterative improvement. And to me, there's an example of opportunity cost. That, that was opportunity costing that. Well, and that connects to another principle um, which is progress over perfection, which is, well, you know, it's, it's funny as you look at our, um, principles of, of radical execution, how, uh, they, they all relate. Like I'm not anti at all quick, obvious, this dad is bad. Take it out. Right. Hey, yeah, that's, you know, sure. that, that, that's great. The, the thing about clean data is, or clean database is the first off it's a myth. I was going to say it's a myth, <laughs> but, but secondly, you you don't get a clean database by, by event. No, no. Right. The way you get a clean database is, is an ongoing element of, of applying disciplines 
and systems to keep data clean. And so if you try to clean the database on its way over, you, you, you are in essence going through all those things on an old system. So yes. the energy and effort and everything it takes, whereas if you brought it over, you know, if you brought it over to the new system, you could then implement those disciplines while you're leveraging the new system while, and, you know, and now as the data is coming in, you've got better, you've got a better quality data coming in as opposed to you're still working in this legacy system. So here again, I say, is it wrong to clean the data before you bring it over? No, I can't say it's wrong. Clean data is good. I'm saying that it's not a good choice most often when you look at it through the lens of what's the opportunity cost. Well, and I'll even do you one better when we're talking about database and clean data, because the other piece is there's this there's this want to um, have the whole of the database clean. And, and this is actually a place where I really had to change my mindset because I used to I used to feel very strongly that way. But the thing is, if you're not touching the whole of your database, if you're not you're not doing outreach, if you're if you if you've got target accounts and that maybe accounts for 25 percent of your database, you should be focused on keeping what you're working, keeping the accounts and, and contacts and opportunities that matter um, clean and not be focused on the 75% that I'm never gonna look at. When, when, those, when those come into your purview, when, when you work those, yeah, you wanna get those clean. And I think that's a place where people really get off with database too, is it's like, I want the whole thing to be perfect. I want. And if it's not messing your reporting, if it's not messing up your outreach, if it's not impacted, then you don't need to pay attention to it. Just it's not it's not hurting anything. It's not, and it's it's going to hurt you if you're trying to keep that piece clean. Well, you 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 also run into that same problem with you know trying to get rep CRM utilization, and and the edict comes out. You need to record everything. <laughs> and I always say, okay, so what are you going to do with this data? Well, we don't know, but we want to have it in there. Okay, then you can't tell a rep they have to. Yeah. Right you know, start off with, 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 with the data that matters. Cause again, you know, now, you know, the, the examples that we're giving have a lot of juice worth of squeeze and, you know, so there's a pretty good Venn diagram overlap. When oh, yeah. you start looking at, when you start looking at, um, you know, go to market elements and it gets, gets woven in, that's where opportunity cost really becomes, um, you know, something different and more than, um, is, is the juice worth the, is the juice worth the squeeze. But yeah, I mean, it, it really is, you know, it's a question of you've got limited resources, you know, by the way, what do you call complete, right? What's your definition yeah. of complete? So I, I was having this conversation with, with a prospect uh, just last week and I was saying to them, you know, they're, they're looking to launch. They've got a really aggressive launch plan. Adoption's really, really important. And I said to them, you know, and they have like the desire to have a metric you know, they, they want full adoption within the first 90 days. And I said, look, the people who look at adoption through the lens of nine months, six to nine months, yeah, right, are going to do better than the people who look at adoption through the lens of 90 days. 90 days. Yeah. And if you think about the way we talk about the, you know, it's like the first three months is about launch. The next six to nine months is about adoption. Then the next 12 months is about optimization. If you look at that through that lens, what I told him was, if I were to check in on both companies, a year after implementation, the company that was six to nine months will be ahead of the company that was 90 days. Now, if I look at, if I look at them at 80 days, it's very possible that the company with a 90 day mindset will be ahead of, of the company with a nine to 12 month. And, you know, there, there's an example of, you know, velocity over speed. Yeah. 
and and so here again, it's the question of opportunity cost. It's the question of staying power. Because by the way, if I come in hot and heavy, big, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of force that, that that's driving that adoption, and so the cost of maintaining that is higher because once that force goes away, right, you, people are far more likely to fall back on their patterns. You know, and all you have to do is look at dieting, right? Someone, yeah. You know, why do people who lose weight gain it back? Well, because they brought force. Yeah. Right. The force goes away and we fall back. And, and well, the thing is we fall back on a weaker structure because we, yeah. we build in that underlying structure that, 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 that supports and guides. Well, it's funny. So that, that, that piece I was actually going to bring up too. So when we're talking about adoption and I think this does feed into opportunity cost. Um, and I think we hit on this on the episode where we talked about adoption, but one thing you've got to do to help drive that is make it easier for the person using the CRM to do whatever they're doing in the CRM, which is going to take time. It's going to take resources to figure that out and build that into the structure. But that's a place where if that's your end goal, you want to spend that time up front doing that to make sure it's easier for say the sales rep to go in and log the things and do the activities they want to do. That, so there's truth there. And actually we now have a great example of opportunity cost that's not juice worth the squeeze. So but let's remember first off that opportunity, that adoption or utilization is not the goal. Oh yeah. Right. But, but, but hold on. <laughs> right. And I say that, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to the people that are listening. Adoption and utilization is not the goal. Our goal is not to have a hundred percent utilization because if I came to you and said, I'm going to give you a magic wand and you can achieve your business outcome by waving the magic wand with zero adoption. Right? Oh yeah. Would, would you do it? Yes, yes, I would do it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So sales reps have to hit their number. So if yeah. we come in and we focus on, and, and the story is all about adoption, 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 we're going to, we're going to put much more change on them. We're going to slow them down, right? They're going to think, and all of a sudden the focus is going to be on using the CRM, not how do I find a new customer? How do I advance a new customer, et cetera. And so right. the opportunity cost of that heavy focus is that, you know, that, that, that's where the cure gets more expensive than the disease. And so if you lengthen that out, right. And you actually build a path that's, that's more consistent, enables less change. You have less opportunity cost um, in economic terms. You have less of a J curve and you have less likelihood of a J curve. And for those of you wondering what a J curve is, it's the negative performance before performance improves. And anytime you try to improve something, anytime you try to change something, you know, change creates a drag. So there's always a right. dip. The question is how, how much of a dip do you go? That's where the opportunity cost question comes. And how do you, so how do you determine that? How do you determine what that, what that changes? Tell me a little bit more about the question. I mean, ask, uh, give me a little bit more context. So if, if, if we, if we're trying to manage the opportunity cost and we're trying to, to make a, a rapid change, how do, how do I know how much I change and how rapidly, how do I know that I've gone too far on the change? Um, I mean, like there, there, there's no actual opportunity cost calculator. There's not. No, there's not. Um, I mean, you know, there, there are variations of opportunity cost calculators because I'm sure someone's listening. Oh no, no, no. I have an opportunity cost calculator. <laughs> I understand you have a theoretical this versus that calculator. So, so, like, I don't want to say, like, this is where things go wrong. People say this is the art, not the science, except yeah, that 
you know, in, in with when they say this is the art, not the science, they're saying science is the certainty part. And this is why I think everyone gets science wrong. Science isn't about certainty. Science is about the methodology to manage. I mean, so what you do is you run hypotheses. Okay. Um, what you do is you start off. I mean, you, I mean, it, it, it is really contextual um, to, to, to the situation. I, I, I think that like, there's no question there's going to be places, you know, if, if you don't run into a little bit of change resistance, then you're probably not pushing hard enough. If you're getting too much resistance, uh, which by the way, is another reason why if you look at adoption over a longer term period, you'll get more adoption. If you look at, at, at implementation over a ramping up of capabilities, you'll, you'll, you'll have more capabilities. You know, when, when we're dealing in sales and marketing in general, and when we're dealing with people, anytime you change something, you change everything, right? The context. Yeah. And, and by the way, even if you don't change something, everything changes because the context of what's happening around them is changing. You know, when, when you identify high leverage areas, when you identify and address upstream problems, you, you get a positive downstream effect. Um, and if you, and if you've done it right, two thirds of your effect is good. One third of your effect is, is friction, which, which again goes back to, there is no right way, you know, single right way. Um, but also the, the nature of your, of your setup is different. It's why I always, I mean, it, it, it's why software development has gone from waterfall planning to agile planning while complex project management has gone to, to a more agile approach is, and I, I mean a discipline agile, I don't mean agile as a um, synonym for lazy or undisciplined. You know, I, I always tell people, look, when we launch at your point of launch, you're going to conceive your situation totally different than you're conceiving it today. Yeah. Right. Um, one of the mistakes that happens, this isn't related to opportunity cost then is they now, they see success, but they haven't actually done anything. So then they want to build on, on that. I actually had a situation where someone's like, you know, we're 90, actually we're about six months into implementation on something and, and they're getting very positive indicators, but like, you know, it's still really, really early. And okay, well, now that we know this is successful, I'm like, Oh, hold on a second here. Remember <laughs> we actually haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Um, it, it's moving in the right direction, but yeah. So, so you, you, you've got to be careful about that, but you know, you, you've got to manage it. I mean, so, so you basically kind of figure out what, what's your destination and then what's the next waypoint. You, know, you, you, you kind of have a theory of what are the waypoints through. But, you know, any sailor who sets a waypoint, let's say I'm sailing from Annapolis to Barcelona and I plot my waypoints out and now I just stick to those waypoints no matter what, they're not going to be, you know, that's not, that, that, that's not the captain I want leading my vessel, right? It, the right. point of that waypoint is I learn in the process of getting to that waypoint what did I think was going to happen that was true? What were we surprised by? Where are, are we? What does the situation look like next? So here's another example of opportunity cost, spilt milk, the spilt milk theory, where we have a tendency that, you know, once we start doing something, yeah, this is a big one. And, you know, if you're selling, forget CRM implementation, it's, you know, I'm halfway in, right? Some salespeople, you know, once they, once they have that first meeting, it's, they, they say yes, you know, or they reject me entirely as opposed to saying, well, okay, I could spend time on this opportunity. Is this, is the time that I spent on this opportunity taking me away from other opportunities where if I spent more time, it would be, you know, I think I mentioned on a previous call, a million dollar opportunity with a 20% probability yeah. is worth more than a hundred thousand dollar opportunity 
with an 80% probability. Yeah. Right. Now, now here's the thing. It, it, it's worth more. But mm-hmm. What's the need? What's the requirement? You know, if, if we're needing cash flow, if then, then, then the certainty element play, right? So you, you don't have simple decisions and that's what, you know, that's what opportunity cost. You know, that, that, that's the, that, that's where the opportunity co- cost mindset comes in, which, which, you know, again, means there's no outcomes are decision quality and luck. We don't control luck. <laughs> what we have degree of control over is decision, decision quality. Yeah. We want to make higher quality decisions. Um, sometimes we're going to make the wrong decision and we're going to get some luck, you know, so, so it becomes really easy to, you know, to get lost. And you know, that, that's where you've heard me say, don't confuse brains with the bull market. Um, actually, I was just talking with an analyst the other day. And I said, you know, the problem in the market right now that scares me, both from an investment standpoint, but also from a business standpoint is, you know, we're in one of those crazy periods right now where you're not rewarded for being smart. And in many ways, you're actually rewarded for being dumb. Because the market is so, so hot that, that if you chase speculative opportunities, you're going to win more speculative opportunities than you would normally win. You know, where, whereas if you're prudent and you're thinking about, okay, you know, stat, you know all, all, all the various elements that, that go into, you know, managing a complex business, you know, I'll, I'll share that, you know, the perfect example in 1999, the average company in the S&P 500 that lost money was up like 39% that year. The average performance of a company that made money in the S and P 500 was down about nine percent. I might be off. I, I don't remember the down. It was definitely down, right? Mm-hmm. And, and literally in 1999, I, and I was in financial services at the time. I remember reading reports that said, you know, th- that in essence were negative on on a company and therefore its stock. That they're paying too much attention to profit. Ah, right. That making money, you know, and you know that was. And I would remind everybody that January, 2020 was when E-Trade um, ran there. He's got money coming out of his Wazoo commercial on the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> you can look that up on YouTube if you want to know what that was. So, so, so again, you know, that's a place where, you know, how do you know what your opportunity cost is? What is the opportunity cost? You can certainly make the argument, what would you like it to be? You know, you can certainly use opportunity cost as a rationale for any anything, you know, and that, and that's where discipline in, and, you know, the scientific method is what's your hypothesis. And then as the data comes in, you, you, the data influences your decision. You don't follow the data blindly, Yeah. but you know, if you've got a strong hypothesis, if you're following that, that process effectively, um, you'll more often than not in a non-straight line, increase your decision quality. And then what you'll find is I mean, look at every company that that successfully truly scales growth and stays. They, I mean, it's it's right. We call it the hot. We call it hockey stick growth, which is nothing, 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 nothing. Bam. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, the nothing, nothing, nothing wasn't no growth. It was just consistent incremental, where it becomes cumulative, and then all of a sudden, you know, it 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 takes off. Take off is, you know that 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 consistency leads to leads to sankar actually i forget the economic principle but it basically says you know the longer something's been around the more likely it will be around that much longer so the beatles have been popular for 50 years 
Mm-hmm. Actually, 60 years, right? Yeah, 60. Right. We've been popular for, for almost 60 years. So yeah. it's highly probable that 60 years from now, they're, they're still popular. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas um, K pop has been popular for the last two years and it's super popular. And right now it is far more popular than the Beatles. Yeah. But there's a lower likelihood it's going right? to be popular in you know, 60. Yeah. So yeah. I gotcha. You, you know, if, if you take a look, you know, that it, it applies to architecture, it kind of applies to, and, and so, you know, that, that, again, that's not directly about opportunity cost, but it all kind of comes together. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have some interesting takeaways, by the way, I really liked what you said, and, and this is akin to opportunity cost, but doesn't necessarily directly reply, but apply. But if, if you're not getting resistance, you're not um, changing enough because there's always the inclination of, Hey, we can't do this. I'm getting too much pushback. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's part of what we're doing here. You're going to get pushed back. This is about changing behaviors and, and kind of changing my mindset. So I think that's something particularly when we're talking about implementations to keep in mind. Um, we always see it too with sales reps when we launch a new um, sales development program, we always get that, that pushback because of the change. Um, I think, you know, the, the overlap of the principles when we talk about this one, especially is really, really fascinating to me, like the Venn diagram that you talked about. And then, um, you know, waypoints are critical and keeping in mind that we're testing hypotheses a lot of times. So, you know, taking a look at what we're doing, having that influence our decisions on the next iteration um, is super important. So those were kind of my big uh, takeaways. I'll add two others that I think people should have. And that is, you know, one of the questions that, that I'm always striving for us to ask is if I do this, what am I not doing because of that? And where would I be better doing and consider what's the second order effect, right? So, so what is the impact? If I do this, what's the downstream, what's the next day when impact of doing that versus doing something else? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. So this, this was, uh, I thought this was good. I, 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 um, you know, like, like I said, I think it's the one principle that we have that, that people are less familiar with. So I wanted to kind of unpack it. And yeah. And I, and, and I think, you know, you asked, going back to a question you asked earlier, you know, how do you know what the opportunity cost is? And, you know, as I said, you don't, right. Cause it's also <laughs> based on a whole lot of, you know, there, there's this part of the point is, is simply considering it. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's aspects where we have a tendency as we're making decisions, we get into tunnel vision and, oh, yeah. and simply asking the question, well, if we do this, what are we not doing? And what impact would that have? It, it, it that'll create a pause that will in and of itself increase your decision quality. Yeah. It'll force you to, by the way, it, it's why I'm a fan of going, well, who was it? Reed Hastings. I think it was, it was Hastings or Hoffman. One of the reads um, <laughs> said, and this was about development said, if you're proud of your beta, then you wait it too long. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. We talked about that. And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of going live with an imperfect system. Y- you and I won't, but could list a few where the delay, the delay in pursuit of perfect, you know, actually leads to a, a, a substandard implementation and, and, you know, you know, how many months did it delay the ability to start using something and begin to get that correctly? Cause by the way, now you also have a whole learning curve that's been delayed. And so, yeah, I would, I would argue when that happens, it's, it's, um, it hurts more than 
Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. opportunity cost. By the way, it's Reed Hoffman. It was Reed Hoffman, yeah. I, when I said Hastings, I said, no, that's not right in Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> I got it eventually, right? Second try. Yep. You get, you get three strikes in baseball, Jess. <laughs> On that note, um, I think that I think the that's a good that's a good note to add on if, if you uh, the the Reed Hoffman quote. So yeah. And that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps Show. Being in business classes, one thing I learned in every single one of my classes was about opportunity cost and how it was usually a negative connotation because you would be losing out on something for doing something else. A big thing I took away from today that you should also remember is that opportunity costs are not always negative. They can also be positive. So if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about opportunity cost or anything else RevOps related, email me at hannah at imaginellc.com or hit us up on Twitter at demandcreator. Until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream.